You're listening to the Birdie Dad podcast. They can't make a birdie, but they can dad. And now your hosts, Jared, Brian, and Trevor. Hey, welcome back to the Birdie Dads. This is Jared, Brian, and Trevor. What's up, guys? Not much. We're back. We're back. Yeah. Sorry for the one week layover there. Yeah, a little downtime, a little big mm-hmm. vacation time, wrapping up summer. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Recharged, ready to go. Good. Well, in this episode, we're going to talk about the BMW Championship, the secret to enjoying golf, and how you guys would handle this dad scenario I have lined up for you. I always love Perfect. that, Jared. You always lay it on us, put us in tough spots. I'm helping you <laughs> for the future, that when your kids do these things, you'll know what to do. I love it. That's why we do this, right? Muscle memory for parenting. Yeah, I feel like all we do on this podcast is talk about Bryson DeChambeau. <laughs> and <laughs> <laughs> there is like so much material to talk about with Bryson. And <laughs> Trevor, you were just saying before you didn't watch the BMW championship. And Brian, you did. What was your I initial did. reaction when I told you we were going to talk BMW? Uh, Bryson DeChambeau. <laughs> that was my initial <laughs> reaction, I think. Watching him you know, go toe to toe with Cantlay and just the difference between the two personalities at the end there, um, could have been more different. <laughs> I mean, two guys who are, you know, PGA professionals, one is trying to murder the ball and just drive it as far as he can. The other is just trying to put himself in good position and is like, has no emotions whatsoever. Um, I, I don't know. It, it was, it was pretty crazy to watch. Yeah. I think I read that I think I had like three headlines from the BMW all with Bryson in it. Mm-hmm. So the the first one was what he was going for a 59, which is yeah. insane and missed the putt. And everybody was kind of like either loving him or hating him because he missed the 59, which is insane. A 59. Yeah. yeah. I saw that, that he shot a 60 and I was like, man, that's impressive. And then, um, I saw that he had a putt. I wasn't watching that Friday and I saw he had a putt for a 59 and I was like, Ooh, <laughs> that's gonna, it's <laughs> gonna haunt him. And it did on the, on the final playoff hole. I think he missed a similar putt. So, uh, uh, well, you can always find ways to, you know, as human, it's kind of human nature to say, Oh, what, what if, right? Like even if you're at your best round in the world, right. You're going to say, Oh, I could have made it two more under par or whatever. It's just human nature. I think we're being a little too critical of Bryson saying like, oh, almost shot a 59 and then choked a birdie putt, you yeah. know, or the last putt. I, I, I will say I'll feel, I would feel worse if it was for Cantley instead of DeChambeau. I don't feel too bad hearing he missed a putt for, for 59. Oh, then you'll love the second headline I want to bring up, which was when during the playoff, when Bryson's comment to Cantley, what it, and he says to him, hey, Patrick, can you stop walking when he was addressing this shot. And Brian, like you said, Cantley is like the most even kill guy out there. And to call yeah. him out like that. I mean, he doesn't get excited when he's winning. Like he just, he's just stoic the whole time. And it's just walking to his ball and Bryson calls him out on the fairway. <laughs> do you think yeah, it, it was, was not putting either? Yeah, it was on the fairway. Do you think fairway. it was intended or do you think it was just like Cantley's in his own, his own game? He's just like, you know, not focused on Bryson. You think it was, which, what was it version wise? Uh, Cantley said that they had just been told to pick up the pace, I believe. So he was just trying to do his good part in, in doing that. He was trying to keep it moving. Hmm. 
And Bryson yeah, I mean, did not they, like that, apparently. No, they, they were coming under darkness, so they had to try to get it finished. And and so they were probably, yeah, trying to speed it up. And it wasn't like he was walking in front of them where, he, where Bryson, if he addressed the ball, wouldn't even seen him. It's just one of those things that, that Bryson is just particular about his, his process, I guess. I will say, okay, I've got to, you guys know, i got to defend Bryson a little bit. They're playing in a playoff. No, you the, don't. The difference between winning <laughs> that and second place is not like $10. It's uh, $700,000 was the difference in the purse. That's fair. Between first and second. I mean, I, I don't think I've made that in my lifetime. $700,000. So... I don't know. I, I've played. I've hollered at guys that went on putting, walking around me for, and we're playing for less than five dollars. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Have you heard the latest headline though, Jared? About. Um, I think it might be my number Bryson. three. Which one? I, it's probably my third one. I have. The PGA is considering outlawing fans from yelling "Brooksy." Yes. At tournaments. Yes, I do. I do. I did hear that. Okay, so <laughs> that, that, that was my number three. Yes, that is my number three. Okay, okay, so here's how it started, was that he conf- he was in the news, the third headline I got was that Bryson confronted a fan after, because the fan said to him, nice round, Brooksy. And I heard one of the beat, re- or I read one of the beat reporters basically said that he heard Brooksy called out, not just like once or twice, but dozens of times over the weekend. Like, guys just... <laughs> Just yelling Brooksy or nice shot Brooksy or some regard of Brooksy. So, yeah, I did hear that was the third headline with Bryson. Because hmm. right, leading up to this tournament, I saw a headline that the Bryson DeChambeau Brooks Kepka feud is squashed for the uh, Ryder Cup team. So, apparently, that's mm. not the case. I don't know. We'll see. I think it. Okay. So, you guys correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, prove me wrong here, but the whole Brooksy thing, like, I'm over it. Like the whole, the guy, the mashed potatoes guy with Tiger, that was funny. I thought he was hilarious. And you guys remember mashed potatoes guy? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I don't know if you hear that mashed potatoes. Oh yeah. I, I thought he was hilarious. Brooksy's yeah. just being like a troll. You're, you're just like being a jackass. Like mm. <laughs> it's just dumb. Like nice well, shot. It's, it's funny. I mean, it's kind of funny because it gets to him. You know, he's like the the third grader on the playground that like someone just keeps poking and poking, and he, it's funny because he responds every time. You know, so if mm. he could just learn to like not respond to it, like you know, even that one little episode with you said he was getting into it with a fan, but I mean that's why people do it. It's because he reacts. You know, so I don't know. They're just wanting a reaction out of him. And they're getting it. Go do it, Bryson. Go confront that guy. Call that dude out for being an asshole. Brian, Brian you said it in the <laughs> first like episode. Yeah, like don't be the asshole. Don't be an asshole. I, I, I yeah. applaud you, Bryson. Go call that dude out. Like, come on. Let's let's get over it. So anyways, the PGA is going to ban the term Brooksy. That's uh, the news today, or they're at least going to try. So if they hear you yelling it, they're going to they're gonna throw you out, I believe is what they said. Or they're going to, that's the, uh, the idea. Is that right, Brian? They're going to going to ban yelling brooksy yeah i mean you'll be asked to leave it's not going to stop people from doing it i mean i, I think there's going to be a bunch of people probably more people now that's just going to go out there and be like ah eh, you know this is the last hole of the day that i'm going to be here so i'm just straight yelling it <laughs> so he better get used to it what about like the waste management open when that comes around oh, you're gonna hear yeah, yeah. <laughs> so many you can't throw out five thousand people at once right so, exactly yeah let's do it let's go to the next event and yell brooksy 
Just do it. <laughs> it's on. I'll do it all day. Uh, well, I got an email asking, what is the secret to, basically the question was, what is the secret to enjoying golf? And I think what this listener was asking is, how do you get better and enjoy golf more? Right? I think if you guys were to think about that, and I said, what is the secret to enjoying golf? And you're probably asking, like, how do I get a little bit better? Because we've talked about this a lot on the show. Like, when you're terrible, the game sucks. Mm-hmm. So, um, and we've talked a lot of different ways that you can get better. I don't know if you guys would agree with that. I mean, the secret to enjoying it is to, I, I, I mean, what comes to mind when I throw that at you? What is your secret to enjoying the game more? I think it's the people you play with, to be honest. So, mm-hmm. I, it's, you know, play with people that are around your same skill level. If you're playing with a, you know, scratch golfer and you're a 20 handicap, it's not going to be fun because you're going to be trying to compare yourself to that that golfer and it's just not going to be enjoyable because you think you suck right but if you are a 16 handicap and you're playing with a 30 um you're gonna feel pretty good right and so it's it's a little bit about who you play with i also think it's it's about the temperament of people if they're getting frustrated with their game um and mad at themselves um then that's just not fun to play with either so um it's just all about enjoying the day for me anyways that's that's what makes me enjoy golf um, it always helps to be good at golf. I mean, it's just, you know, wins, wins are, are fun. <laughs> it can, <laughs> it can cover up uh, a lot of mistakes. So there right. you go. I, I mean, I agree with Brian completely, you know, when you're just talking about golf and enjoying it, uh, as you're playing 18 holes, it's all about who you're playing with. I mean, if everyone's a jerk in the group, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to enjoy it. It's just not going to happen. So, um, as far as the personal part of it and enjoyment, you know, all of us want to get better and we see ourselves getting better and it's the hardest thing in the world to see yourself get better. And then all of a sudden just shank one, right. Or, you know, just start leaking oil and then the wheels fall off. I mean, that's just not a fun way to experience it. So I've always said this and Brian, I think took a little piece of this and put it to action, but just taking a break from it sometimes, you know, Mm -hmm. just like for a week or two. You know, once you're kind of trying to set a goal for yourself and you're not quite getting there as quick as you want to, just kind of taking a step back, playing with your kids, go doing like, you know, watch them do gymnastics or something completely different. Um, Just a reset, because by the time you come back to, you're going to forget all those things that you were trying to tinker with. And then you're just going to go back to a natural swing. And that helps kind of turn the corner, I think, back to positive town in my mind. So, yeah, I think for the amateur golfers, it's making it less of a grind and more of a day out to hang out with, with friends and, or, um, just having fun. Yeah. Like you said, with, with, with your kids, not doing the full 18, just doing nine holes, just, you know, watching them play and enjoying seeing them improve. Right. So just taking that break from trying to grind it out and get your handicap to a certain level. So I I think that sometimes we get too caught up in, in that kind of improvement that we get frustrated when we hit a plateau and then you just gotta realize that golf is it's a hobby <laughs> it's not life mm-hmm. yeah. we're not playing for 700 grand the difference no. of 700 grand <laughs> exactly. no. yeah but if we are jared would you mind not walking in my my backswing stop please? walking when i'm getting ready <laughs> and approaching the ball yeah i agree with you guys i found on this podcast journey i played a l- more golf a lot more golf and the game has improved with it because no surprise that the more you play, the better your scores will get. But I also find, you know, we talk a lot of dad stuff that the more golf I play, 
the more time I feel like I'm on the course and away from family and you might feel like I can't get out there more. And you guys got me thinking when we were talking Bandon Dunes like two weeks ago. And I asked you like, hey, what do you do at Bandon after the round? And you guys are like, nothing. <laughs> like nothing. Mm-hmm. You crash. And so it got me thinking of, you know, one of the ways you can really up your level is, I, like you guys said, engage your family more in the game of golf is a secret that we've talked about and I think we could summarize and you each do it your different way. Like Brian, you just sent us a picture playing with your son the other day and yeah, you said he was first your golf time. partner for, yeah. So yeah, you took him awesome. out on the course. Yeah. I did. And Trevor, you play commonly with your, your two girls, like you and your wife, you guys play together. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, you guys are, I kind of speak to that. My daughter's too young, but I have played with my wife before. Once or twice, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Yeah, my, my wife's come and, and um, ridden the cart with me a couple times, and it's always fun um, to have her out there and spend that time, you know, doing something I love. And, and she kind of sacrifices some time, but she gets to see a, a beautiful golf course and have a couple a couple drinks and and so she has some fun um but I, i'd say that that the you know taking my son out there uh for the first time was I, i'm starting to see what why trevor's out there with his girls all the time because it was pretty pretty fun to see him out there and i think the best part of the, of, of the nine holes that we played together um was when he told me unprompted dad golf is fun I was like, okay, all right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there you go. What do you want? Anything you want. <laughs> you yeah. got it. Did your mom tell you to say that? That's what she said, right? <laughs> That's what right. she said. Exactly. Yep. No, you're, you're exactly right, Brad. I mean, for me, it's just like getting my kids outside. I mean, I can only watch The Last Airbender on Nickelodeon so many times mm-hmm. with those kids, right? Watching TV. So Is that good? Is it good? Uh, it's, it's actually pretty good from, from an adult standpoint. They have some good humor and... Uh, mm. from the kids love it but anyhow i i digress but yeah no just making part for the family uh, my wife has been very uncomfortable with golf you know our whole lives basically and as the kids have gotten into it she's tried to come around to it but what i've noticed is just making it repetition you know people get comfortable with what they've known so i think if you know for me i'm a little spoiled in that i have a, a club that i belong to and it's always going to the same place but that's what i'd offer up advice is if you're trying to draw your family into it, maybe go to the same golf course, you know, like five times in a row and do the same thing over and over again, just so they get comfortable with it. Cause by the time the third or fourth time comes, they're like, oh, okay, they're going to grab their putter. They're going to get to that putting green and they're going to know where to go. And part of that I think is what brings the experience along for the family and comfort, just like anything, you know, you get a more confidence in your, and you're off. So that's been, that's how I've felt. My wife has kind of taken to it a little bit. That she's not mm-hmm. going to be, you know, trying to compete for the women's senior tour by any means, but she's going to be, you know, be able to hold her own and be able to play with her family. So that's how I've tried to kind of put it in perspective. Yeah, and, and what we can go with and what I've done, if you go to our website right now, it looks a little different. I'll blast you with like the sign up because if you take golf and you want to engage your family, here's a crazy idea is to stay, take a golf trip and make it into a family golf trip. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you all have to play, but plan it around. So what I've done, go to our website and and check out for sign up. And what we'll do is take an area. Like, let's say, you know, I live near Monterey, which is, you know, kind of a golf mecca area. Plan a golf trip, sign up, and we'll get you some information. And take your family out there with other families, ideally, and share some golf and family time. 
So maybe instead of crunching 36 holes at Bandon and just crashing out, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll help set you up with a family trip where you play 18 holes early and then spend some family time. I know for me, that concern of being like the absent dad would be replaced with more of a, a family golf time. Yeah, yeah, I think that's good. I mean, we're, we just booked a trip to Kauai for next June. So we're looking forward to that. And there's definitely be some golf out there. If I can get my um, five-year-old son, soon to be six, um, liking the game and, and have him coming out w- with me, that's going to be a good break for my wife, right? Like she's going to, um, you know, only have to maybe take care of one kid and, and I get to take care of one kid and and we're all having fun. So I, I Which agree, means you awesome. get to play golf more. Yeah, exactly. And you exactly. will get better. And you guys are starting to figure it out. I mean, this has been my secret. <laughs> Trevor's, Trevor's been I telling mean, this stuff for I've been telling years, you guys this for the last for two years, years on this podcast. This is I mean, the entire thing. Take your thing. kids to the course. Give your wife a break for two hours. Uh, it, it works. Mm-hmm. It works. Everybody Big wins. Time. Everybody wins. And we have, you know, actually for us as this Birdie Dads, we actually have an event coming up to Nashville, too, that we're going to head out. And I believe that's that's a family trip, but we're also going to plan some golf in, if I'm not mistaken, somewhere in there. Right. I think that's the plan. Maybe the wives don't know it. Oh, they, they've, they've got to know. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a birdie dad trip. So they're, they're going yeah. golfing. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, it, it'd be like, Oh, go golf clubs are in the car. I did in the travel bag. I don't really know how that happened, but no. <laughs> they're, uh, yeah, they're going to come along. Yeah. Uh, my, uh, my wife's used to just me packing everything into my golf travel bag. That's just, that, that's what I take to just pack clothes. So it's like if there's golf clubs in there or not, I just, that's, that's what I use. So it's just a standard. So we need some Nashville tips for anyone out there. We need like Nashville golf course recommendations. If you got them, let's, let's hit up Scott Stallings again and ask him what's going on with golf out there at the time. Speaking of Scott Stallings, he had a good year. He was up there. He did. He had a great year. Yeah. What do you end up in FedEx or, you know, money list? Do you guys have any stats for me that you can... He was at the Northern Trust, which means that he was in the top, I think, 120, 130. But he didn't make it to the BMW, which is, I think, the cutoff was top 70 at BMW. So um, he, didn't did quite make crack, that. he did crack a million dollars earnings in 2021. So good yeah. for Scott. He good job, that. Scott. That's awesome. You won up on me there, Scott. So good job. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I have a parent situation for you guys, a dad scenario. And Tre- Trevor, you, oh God, I, I don't know. I can't say you'll be facing this, but your girls are older. Brian and I have quite a few years. So here is the situation. Okay. You get a call from your 16 year old's high school. And so fast forward a few years, your 16 year old was caught smoking marijuana at school. They're going to get home suspended from school. Cause that's the school consequences. And they're a basketball player and basketball season is starting soon. So you get that call. You're at work. It's midday. I want to know your response, maybe immediately, but more importantly, later at home. What's your response to this? I want, I want to hear you guys as your dad scenarios, how you'd handle that. Smoking marijuana at school. Um. Well, you'd like to think that your kid would never be in this scenario, but no, nope, uh, they're in it. They're in, sorry, they're we're, we're you're there. Head in. Okay, you can't be that guy. You they're there. It happened. Yeah, I mean, I guess I, there's going to be two sides to the story, right? And it sounds like it's pretty clear cut that it happened. So I guess I would want to find the 
administrative uh, administration's perspective on it. Get that in detail from work. You know, whenever I get the call, get just hear it all out. Don't say anything back. Just kind of hear the whole story, and then take that into the scenario of home over dinner. You know, discussion and kind of see what the child's perspective was and why they thought that was appropriate and who they might be with and just kind of take it stride by stride, just try to have a conversation because it, it might not be that they wanted to do it. You know, it might be somebody else wanted to do it or they just, they felt like they needed to, you know, maybe I guess act out. So then it might be on us too, to kind of understand that. But yeah, I guess the first, the first thing is you're just pissed. And so you got to try to <laughs> back just, off. You better cool down. You yeah. Better you better cool, cool down, down take the information. Don't say anything back to the uh, administration you know, take a break, take a walk after work, take a long drive, you know, towel off. And then, uh, then devise a plan with your wife on how you're going to broach it, I guess, you know, don't just knee jerk into it. Cause there might be some other, some other variables in there, I guess. I don't know. How would you Brian, do it, Brian? Brian? Yeah. Brian, what, do, what would you do here? Uh, I'd ask him who their dealer was. <laughs> no, just, just Go straight um, to the source. Go right, right. to the source. <laughs> uh, no, like it's in Washington, uh, marijuana is becoming, it's legal, right? So it's just like alcohol uh, in the state. So you have to be of a certain age, uh, but you can go into any dispensary and, and buy it. Um, you can have people who are of age uh, go buy it for you. So it's very much like alcohol uh, for me. Um, you know, so... I don't know if there's a differentiation between marijuana or alcohol, but either way, it's the same problem. It's, it's at school. It's during the day. It's, it's when you should be focused on other things and you're, um, impairing your judgment. You're impairing your ability to actually attend school in any kind of meaningful way. Right. So, um, I'd be concerned. I'd be concerned that it's uh it's a habit. I can be concerned that it's peer pressure, um, how do you deal with, with both of those things? Right. Um, so I'd try to dig in to see um, exactly what Trevor was saying is, is why'd you do it? Um, is this the first time you've done it? Um, and be open. Like I wouldn't be, you know, going right away to the anger of, of your disappointment. You, you suck your life's going down the, the, the garbage can. Right. Cause we all experimented with stuff. Uh, and you're in a van down by the river. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but I, I would try to make it a serious, conversation to the fact of let's make some better decisions here. Like, you know, like I'd be supportive of experimentation because I know that, you know, I've done some experimenting in my life. So it's, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, I can't get too mad, but at the same time, it's like not a school, man, (laughs) not a school, not, not if you're going to be out driving, like, like all that kind of stuff. Like, be responsible with your experiments, I guess. It, it would be my fundamental advice. On you this. bring up a good point is that do you do you share your own youthful indiscretions with your kids and say <laughs> and and there's no I mean, I don't there's no right answer. So would you share like yeah, Trevor, what what would you, I mean you you got something. Yeah, I mean I would say you know, you kind of learn from your parents, you know, what not to do maybe in certain situations or how they handled it and maybe continue that on. But I think a lot of it is just trying to get them through that brain development, you know, full frontal lobe development <laughs> before you kind of start mm-hmm. sharing everything you've done. Because I think if you're sharing things about, you know, when they're 23 or younger, then they feel like 
I, at least I did when I got that information. I felt like it was a free pass to try a lot of things and, <laughs> yeah. because yeah. my dad had done it, you know? And so I guess knowing that, looking back, I would say I would, and I have a different experience because I have two girls, not two boys. So I would say, you know, I would wait to pass that on until they're at least of college age. By then they will have already tried to experience some of that stuff on their own. And then you can kind of maybe act more as a friend rather than a parent. But that's now, my take on it. Yeah, neither of you really touched on your kid is in sports. Would you do anything extra for their sports? Would you... Look, I, I think that the decision that they made to do that um, will impact their sports. Um, so I, I don't know if I necessarily pile it on. I think that's just a natural consequence of, of the decision that they made. And I would kind of say, look, you this is the ramifications of, of the decision, right? Mm -hmm. Is, is that, you know, you're probably going to be suspended for sports and, um, you know, you're going to have issues with school, probably suspended from school, uh, for a little bit. And so all of this is impacting your life in this way. Right. So, um, Mm -hmm. you know, next time this is what's going to happen. Right. Like, I I don't know if I jump in and and try to defend them at all. I don't think I'd try to get, them back on the team, I, I'd, I'd let that that whole course play out and just kind of really emphasize it. Yeah, you know, this is what happens. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think if they care enough about basketball or whatever sport it is, they realize they missed out, you know, on half the season or a whole season or a whole year. I mean, then they're going to make the change themselves, right? But if we mm-hmm. as parents are trying to jump in and say, "Hey, coach, you know, here's a hundred bucks. Can we let him start early?" You know, like right. they're just <laughs> hundred bucks. They, they feel like they have a parachute all the time. They can, you know, right. they, they own the world, so they're not going to learn from it. Here's some new backboards for the, for the gym. Right. Yeah. I agree with Brian hundred percent. You don't try to soften the blow. I mean, you let them figure it out for themselves and let them decide what's important to them and try to try to help them decide yeah, a little bit. I think if you're the parent, like where you're afraid and I, and some parents are like, how could you be afraid of issuing consequences? But maybe you have that more friendship role. I think you guys are right. Let the school consequences hold. Don't, don't fight, you know, don't fight that school consequences. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't try to overturn it. Let those hold because you didn't issue those. You know, you don't need to like hide behind and say you wouldn't have your own, but I would definitely agree with you guys. Let those play their course. That's, that's part of growing up, right? Like the school yeah. caught you. This, you're now ineligible. You don't get to play. That's the break. That that's what you get. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Actually, I'm not sorry. Uh, <laughs> but you smoked pot at school. Uh, okay. So I feel in I, my Jerry Springer final thought with you guys in this is I've worked with a lot of teenagers, and this is definitely you know I deal with this stuff. And there's a theory I've always prescribed to. Well, first I want to respond to Trevor and say. Okay, there's something I've always taught when I was very young in in my field, and it's uh, there's two there's there's always uh, two sides of the story, and then mm-hmm. somewhere in the middle lies the truth is what we mm-hmm. say a lot. So, right. you know, that's always I found that to be true more often than not. And I would say I've always prescribed to the theory that there's a difference between punishment and consequences as a parent. And punishment is exactly as it sounds. It's punitive. It's one sided. It feels that way. It, it hurts. Um, consequences are more as like a parent, as you guys are talking about, being more flexible, finding out a little bit more room for res- like correcting what happened and not as much, you know, top down. And I think this scenario is very complicated. It would need a greater depth of consequences, like Brian said, is that what, why were, 
why were we doing that? What is the core reason for the excuse? Don't don't accept that my buddies were doing it or you know, everybody was doing it. Like get down to that. Hey, you're talking about while it's legal. And I brought this up because marijuana is so complicated, right? It's so gray area mm-hmm. and for kids. It's like, yeah, when we were kids, it was absolutely illegal. Like Brian said, now it's alcohol. It's like alcohol to us. So, you know, wrapped in there would be consequences, but you'd want to probably take that deep dive into why why that was used. I would yeah. say, yeah, right. and, and just just like alcohol, I mean, you don't want it to become a habit. You don't want it um, to impact the rest of your life. So, um, if it's a one time thing versus a everyday thing like that, that's what my main concern would probably be. So, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I agree with you because if it happens at school, you would have hoped that you would have seen something happening before then, right? And trying to be mm-hmm. able to correct it. So by then, by the time it happens at school, you would have already had this conversation and it kind of goes into a more serious, serious talk. But if it happens at school and it's a one-time thing and you had no no idea that it was happening, then it's more like, okay, I'm, is this acting out or is this, you know, what's what? I'm searching my kid's room, I'll tell you that. I am searching <laughs> top to bottom, turning everything upside down. Their room is trashed. It is a jail. It is like... It's getting tossed. We're going to yeah. find whatever. Like like Brian said, I'm going to the source. That's right. I'm going out. Like, what was that movie where Bruce Willis, or yeah, Bruce Willis remade it, where he like goes out and he's like, street vigilante justice. I'm going out on the streets. I'm finding the source. <laughs> I'm right. finding the dealer. Uh, well, that's it. You guys aced the dad scenario. I hope we helped you out yeah. with similar scenarios dealing with your kids. Uh, next week, maybe we'll talk more golf. Send us your questions you have and we'll get into it. So that's it for this episode. We'll see you guys next week.